Maintaining strong data collections in our cities is crucial to understand the state of our communities today. Collecting strong data ensures our government officials can make the best decisions to accelerate investment, keep grant money, and monitor environmental impact. Most importantly, without good data, we would never know that the city of Hackettstown, New Jersey produces 200 million M&Ms every day. Okay, well, not quite that type of data, but data that can lead to better decision-making that affects your community. In this preview, we are exploring the effective use of an ever-growing feed of data that can be leveraged for public good and help cities achieve their climate goals. Today, we're talking with CEO of Hopu, Antonio Yara. I am your host, Mike Lake, and this is Preview of Tomorrow. Innovation, resiliency, discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello and welcome, Antonio. Thank you so much for joining us today on Preview of Tomorrow. And, and of course, as I always love to do, thank you uh, to all of our listeners and viewers for joining us for this episode. Um, I'm thrilled to introduce you today to Antonio Jara. He is the CEO of HopU. Now, this is a company that is engaging citizens and decision makers in cities uh, to guarantee that the data at their disposal is understandable by everybody, that it's intuitive and actually usable. Um, especially to achieve things like our climate goals. So Antonio, this is a big challenge. We're gonna talk about that challenge in just a minute, but before we do so, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I'm Antonio Yara, as you mentioned, and I am PhD in computer science. I have been working for over eight years in the IoT domain, and the main focus of my thesis and my research was always trying to make sure that devices could be reliable and working remotely uh, without any challenge. I was working companies like Otis, that is from the United Technologies Corporate, and my ambition beyond that is to make sure that all the power of IoT could take benefit in all the benefit of the society, in particular for the sustainable development goals. So clearly you've been passionate about the SDGs and, and the impact that that has, not only on local communities, but the world at large. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the challenges as you see them. So as you mentioned, now we are in the millennial challenge. So this is a huge, huge impact that we need to guarantee for our future of the society, the future of tomorrow. And there is the, the impact that we are helping cities and we are trying to, cities have the challenge to make sure that they will have the opportunity to understand what's happening in the city. Today, as you know, there is a huge number of opportunities with all the recovery plans, Green Deal and all the resilience technologies that are appearing after COVID that they need to have in the cities the real understanding of what is the benefits of all these solutions in the short and medium term. Exactly what is happening now in Europe is that there is a plenty amount of funding, 1 trillion euros, that is 1 million of million of euros, and this means a huge opportunity for all of us in order to make sure that we can be sustainable by 2050. But at the same time, cities have the challenge to really make the right decision in order to make the right investment to commit to be a sustainable continent by 2050. This means a specific number of objectives, challenges, and ambitions that if you don't make the right choices, 
that will be a very big challenge in order to make sure that we are wasting this opportunity. At the same time, cities doesn't have all of them the huge amount of data, understanding, monitoring as big cities or more capital cities. And this is also a huge need to make sure that all the understanding and experience from some cities can be leveraged, extending, replicated in other cities that doesn't have these resources. And this is also a big challenge that, of course, artificial intelligence and, and all the power of data must be in place. So, I mean, when we talk about data, and, and let's say data-driven decision-making, I mean, it, just saying it makes sense. You know, there, there's a lot of common sense to making better decisions based on data. But the reality in today's world is that data is incredibly valuable, right? We talk about it as, as the 21st century oil equivalent. Um, but at the same time, Unlike oil, which is a diminishing resource, data is just the opposite. There is more data being produced uh, on a daily basis, one day to the next, than any other time in human history. So how is it that, I mean, it's a huge challenge, let me put it that way, in terms of corralling all that data and putting it into context enough that decision makers or, or anybody can actually make sense of it. So. Give me a sense, how much data do you, are we talking about here that we have to wrap our heads around? So just to give you an idea, in our current solution, we have over three terabytes of data set that we are collecting and monitoring from different aspects like mobility and also air quality monitoring and people behaviors. That is just with a few cities we are working with. We are just working with 42 cities right now. And this is just the kind of data set. And indeed, with all the new data economy, all the new data sovereignty and the so-called now data spaces are a huge opportunity to increase this number of data sets much, much more and including other domains that are impacting in the, in the management of cities. So this is just the starting point, but as you mentioned, the vast amount of data that we can imagine is really huge. And with a new regulation, new data space, new way to collaborate and exchange data is, is very, very, very crucial all what we can be enabled. And and as, as I recall, <laughs> um, seeing some stats on this in the past, to, to put the amount of data we're talking about into uh, context for folks, uh, if you look at 2017, so this is already outdated, right? But in 2017, in that one year, we produced as much data as we did in the first 5,000 years of human existence. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's an incredible amount of data. And, and again, to maybe put it into uh, some more day-to-day -day terms, on a daily basis, we produce enough data to fill at least 150 million iPhones or 90 years worth of HD video. Um, I mean, it, this is a, a staggering, staggering amount of, uh, of data that's being produced and trying to sift through and make sense of. So tell us now a little bit more about HopU and, and how you are helping decision makers to, to make sense of all this data. So that indeed, this is also very important because out of this huge amount of data, we need to identify and curate whether the right data that is really impacting on helping us to understand our problem. And that is where HOPU is mainly supporting the 
contextual intelligence. For us, the main contribution and the main value proposition is this contextual intelligence. That means to guarantee that we can cross and guarantee that we understand how these different data sources and these different data silos are interfacing each other. So what we are working on, and this is part of, so of a bigger initiative that we are part of, is a contextual intelligence platform that is one of the solutions being promoted by European Union, being already enabled for all cities in Europe and also beyond overseas to be adopted. That is Fireware platform, where we have what is called a context engine. And what Hopu is contributing on top of that is that as part of this context engine that is totally open source, and we highly promote you to go to Fireware.org to check about that, is that you will find in our case, several models specialized to make understanding, for example, of low emission zones. Now cities are addressing a huge challenge about mobility plans in order to guarantee more safety cities. And we're working with cities like Madrid or Cartagena in order to understand exactly what is the impact of making a small change, for example, in the speed of some special areas of the city. And this is also what is called tactile urban planning because we need to start experimenting and thinking and evaluating what is the impact of small change and in order to extrapolate it to other parts so in that particular solution what we do is integrate first all the data to clean the data to check the data quality assessment we are leading one standard with cisco and ibm called the ITRAPOLI 2510 about data quality assessment to understand really how reliable and trustable is some specific data sets based on context. And after our real special source is to make this model and correlate this model between different cities in order to, for example, understand what are the origin of pollution. And at the same way, we have right now four models. One is to understand what are the origin of pollution, to understand what HOMA is coming from mobility, HOMA is coming from the urban background, from ports, from also other origins like natural origins that has been adopted by cities like Helsinki. Other important is urban health. It's incredible to understand what is the impact of some issues like urban heat islands, the access to green areas, etc., in the quality of life and the daily uh, and the average expectancy of life. And the most imp more important, finally, is to go with these particular models, as I mentioned, for issues like the uh, mobility plans. So at the end of the day, it's adapting and making this extrapolation of data for real needs in order to make sure we can understand these models, uh, at the most important, to align it with the different action plans to make sure we can extrapolate this action plan to the monitoring and auditing of the different initiatives. So one of the things that certainly comes to mind listening to you talk about both the challenge and the solution here is, is of course, the Paris agreements, right? And there are some serious goals that have been set. Um, and I have to say, although the United States uh, was stepped out of the agreement for a little while, I'm grateful that we're back in. Um, but one of the benefits, I, I will say, you know, looking at the glass half full, of having removed the U.S. from the Paris Agreement for a period of time was it encouraged U.S. mayors to step up and fill the gap that the federal government had left. And so you have these city leaders who have set goals uh, and are trying to achieve them and measuring that success, understanding how best to achieve them, etc., is still uh, a massive hurdle. Um, so 
specifically, uh, if, if you can, focusing on on that particular challenge, uh, who who is the customer for you, and who is the end beneficiary? Beneficiary, sorry. So right now, our customers are mainly cities, but also day after they are becoming much more utilities and corporates that are in public-private partnerships with cities in order to promote new initiatives. So our first customer is cities because they are, for example, as I mentioned, to address some new regulation, some challenge like the Paris Agreement to get these 2020-20 objectives. And these are examples of cities that, as I told you, we are working over 42 cities. But at the same time, we are working with corporates like, for example, Veolia, Suez, Acciona, and other big corporates that want to understand how the solution they are supplying to cities and to other business are impacting positively in this climate change mitigation. And there is where, for example, a very nice project we have is with Acciona, that they are deploying the motor sharing for cities like Milano, north of Italy, Barcelona, Malaga, Seville, Madrid, etc., also Lisbon in Portugal. And they want really to understand the deployment of these motorbikes, of these scooters, what is really the contribution in terms of this describing the reduction of noise, also the, the level of dust, and the most important, the reduction of, of the pollutants like NO2, etc. And this, let's say, collateral effect of the new mobility mechanisms are really relevant because demonstrate how these new innovations are contributing in some way. And we're also helping these kind of companies to make sure that with our technology, they know how they are also impacting positively. So our main customers are, for example, as I mentioned, cities that want to monitor, audit, and make this tactile urban planning to understand how actions are having this benefit, but also industry that want to have also this validation in the in long term of the different initiatives they have right now in practice in the cities. And, and once a city or a utility or whatever a corporation decides that they want to work with Hopu, uh, what what does it take to actually get them up and running? So right now we are talking that like we are everything is a software as a service. We are working with huge cities. We have already agreement with the most important data suppliers like satellite data from Copernicus. We are also having these data platforms, as I mentioned, Fireware is totally optimized for this data Spain data exchange. So this is very nice because we have cities from 70,000 inhabitants to cities with more than half million inhabitants. We are able to extrapolate and to replicate technologies in different cities size. Mm -hmm. The cost of deployments are being very optimal thanks to technology. And what we are really promoting and supporting is the repl replicability and extensibility because we don't want to be a consultancy company that only adapts a particular project for a particular niche. What we are really looking for is the mass adoption thanks to the value of all these models to being adopted by different, different platforms and technologies. So let's talk about that mass adoption and, and imagine a world 10, 20, 50 years from now where all cities and towns, villages, whatever, corporations are using the Hopu platform to make sense of all of this data. And by the way, let me just say, I can't even imagine how much data will be, be being produced 50 years from now. But give us a sense. What is the total impact you imagine achieving uh, when we, we get to that point? So you already is written. Is we are asking by 2050 to be a totally neutral emissions continent. 
we really expect that Europe and of hopefully also USA will be the reference ecosystem for the rest of the world to show how can be sustainable, how can be also profitable to be, make sustainable engagement. And at the end of the day, what we are expecting as HOPU is that every city by 2015 has a software that is like today a geographical information system or any other IoT, IT platform that will be used to make sure that all the investment actions are based on data, monitor, audit, and supported by the cooperation among different cities. So we need to have these two steps. First, data-driven, but also co-creation among multiple cities that are exchanging and optimizing among them. So for me, the vision is that we are going to be sustainable. We'll, this sustainability will be profitable, will be economically viable. And the most important is that we will be able to really optimize and find the best approaches and to guarantee that all this kind of data-driven platform would be the normal way to behave and to act in cities. And of course, that means for us a major quality of life, a major reduction of the DALIS. DALIS is the, the decrease of the average life expectancy due to all the pollution and all these impacts of so better quality of life, major longevity, and the most important, that we can enjoy again the world as was by 1990. That will be the best. Well, that would be incredible. Listen, it's sad to know that our time has already expired here today, but uh, if anybody wants to learn more or, or get in touch, what's the best way for them to do so? So they can contact me directly in the hopu.org. That is our web page. And also you can contact me by hara at hopu.org. I'm really happy to engage with any city or any corporate that want to start working more in the sustainable development goals. And the most important, share the data, make value of the data and to show up hope the actions have a real impact to be part of the success that we were able to mitigate climate change. I always say that my generation was able to close the ozone challenge that we have, because I know, you know, it's the whole of ozone was really close already, thanks to all the support of our society during the last 10 years. And I really hope that our current society will be able to be part of the climate change mitigation initiative. And for that, we need to work all together. Absolutely well said. Well, Antonio Hara, thank you so much for joining us today on Preview of Tomorrow. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you. My big pleasure. Thank you, Michael. And thank you for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guests today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.